Hi guys, I'm Dr. Rochelle Haynes and thank you for joining our brand new podcast, Remotely Speaking. This podcast is where we sound off on all things remote work. I'm especially passionate about two things, having a good work experience and traveling the world. So join myself and our experts as we talk about how we can work better remotely, how your business can better enhance remote working, and how countries can better attract digital nomads. To find out more about our podcast, follow us on Instagram at Remotely Speaking Up. Stay tuned for more. One, thank you for joining our podcast, Remotely Speaking. We're really excited about this first session, especially as we have the brilliant Jeremy Blaine with us, business and digital transformation specialist and guru. So in our first session, we're going to be talking about how companies can better embrace a digital culture and how a digital culture helps to enhance remote work and blended working. So Jeremy is here to tell us all about that. And also he'll share his funny stories and experiences along the way. So let's get right into it. Jeremy, thank you so much for joining us. This is brilliant to have you as our first guest as well. It feels like quite an honor. Well, the pressure's on, isn't it, actually, for your, <laughs> as your first guest. Thanks very much for having me. A great be here, Rochelle. Yeah, excellent. So can you tell us a bit about your background and also about your working model? Yes, well, I, I, I've had a number of roles in, in my career. I started in sales, moved into marketing, operations management, then general management. Yeah. And since about 2003, have been largely international in my working, even though... <laughs> I was based in certain certain areas. Yeah. Uh, so I lived in the UK, but travelled to most major markets in the world, mm. where I was setting up new businesses or business models, like channel distributors, for example. And then in 2011, moved to Singapore in my previous company to yeah. set up the brand new operation for Asia Pacific, which spanned India to the Pacific, which is not an insignificant territory. Wow. Yeah. Um, so even as far as back then and uh, into the into the early part of this century, remote working was was what I did. It was uh, you know, an airport yeah. here, a hotel there, a, a <laughs> whatever. And as new technologies came on board, I was very eager to adopt them yeah. to make my life easier. Yeah. Uh, so that was really helpful but but what it's meant in my own business now mm-hmm. I've moved back to the UK but but I can be truly global and yeah. because I've developed a network along the way my business model and uh, you know my essentially remote business model now is a business which is based on 100% contingent workers yeah uh, experts that I've met all over the world that uh, fulfill the internal things that I need to do but also deliver the services to my customers yeah, I think that's brilliant. I've spoken to a lot of people that have asked me if a contingent model of um, business can work, which at the time I was quite surprised by because this is natural to us. You know, you have um, Performance yeah. Works International and that's fully contingent. Um, Crowd Potential, my company is also fully contingent. So this is the new normal, um, but for some it's still a question mark. And with, with reason as well, because there are some challenges around that in itself, but not challenges that can't be overcome. So, you know, in this, this season, I don't know if to call it a season, these, these times, let's put it that way, yeah. um, that there have been certain drivers of remote working, particularly COVID-19 and the pandemic. What, what does this really mean for a business, businesses that are now seeking to transform digitally? What other drivers might there be? And do you see this as 
Do you see remote working and this contingent and digital transformation process as here to stay? Well, we're in the so-called VUCA world, aren't we? The volatile, yeah. uncertain, complex, ambiguous. Now, I've added a D onto that now. Yeah. I call it VUCAD, which is distributed or dispersed, however you want to call it, because it yeah. really is moving into the way. But it really is just one component of what I call a perfect storm as we've headed into the 2020s. Yeah. Just 24 weeks ago, before the pandemic hit, we were yeah. already pressured in business around mm. transformation. It was digital, it was workforce transformation, ways of working, new business models, hyper competition in many uh, industries and marketplaces. Yeah. So many businesses were all challenged because they were behind the curve on transformation anyway. Yeah. We'd just come off the back of a global financial crisis. Many organizations were struggling to just keep up with short-term volumes and revenues that yeah. they needed to do. Yeah. And we were at a point in history at 2019 where the failure rate of businesses was its highest in history. So yeah. the S&P 500, for example, let's take that as an example. In the 1920s, the failure rate approximately was about 67 years. By oh. the end of 2019, it was 15 years. Yeah. Post-pandemic, it's predicted to be eight years. Yeah, it's amazing how that, that yeah, the, the, the rapidness of the change is, 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 is head spinning, really, when you think about it. Yeah. So a lot of companies are really, for, for them, this is really a first-time thing. And I know very much um, with my own background, I'm from Barbados, and within the Caribbean setting where remote working was not the mainstream and not the norm, um, I remember when we spoke about this, I spoke about this at a conference last year, there was a lot of pushback. But now companies have found themselves being thrown into remote work in order to maintain their um, survival and livelihood. So now this, this, as you said, that VUCA, this is, this is the new normal. So what, do you, what would you say to a company that is trying to transform their business and to embrace a digital culture? Where should that company start? Well, where they will have started 24 weeks ago, let's say, yeah. <laughs> pre-pandemic, uh, was they would have been talking about digital transformation. Yeah. But even then, I was arguing that that's a, a, a defunct piece of jargon these yeah. days. It's not digital transformation. Those companies that have done it successfully know that it's far more than that. It is whole business model transformation. Absolutely. You've got the digital alongside the human, uh, mm. the cultural elements, the customer the data protection and the, the mm. cyber security, which is becoming it. And, and then how then you protect your own future as well and start yeah. to use predictive analytics to, to look ahead, to mm. prescribe your own future. So there's many, many components which are in place. So yeah. rather than going away and, and being one component, it's now become urgent and important for organizations as they went into the pandemic, actually to transform mm. this way. Yeah. So many, have been forced to. In fact, pre-pandemic, according to smallbusinessgenius.com, a research mm. they did at the end of last year, 44% of global companies did not allow, even allow remote working. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> two, two, three weeks after that research, 80% of them were scrabbling to digitalize <laughs> so yeah. that they could actually do it in a way. So this started the, started the process. So the argument now is is use the opportunity to explore possibilities, Absolutely. look forward, and not not in your mind think, oh, I can't wait to go back yeah. to yeah. what was normal. It's actually we should be looking forward yeah. to what could be now. 
Yeah, I totally agree. And I've heard a lot of companies saying that as well, saying, I can't wait to get back to normal. And there are even cases where I was speaking to a colleague in Barbados where they were saying that companies are now encouraging them, okay, the worst has passed. And their company is saying, okay, let's, let's get everyone back in the office. But there are many of the employees who don't want to return. They like the new way of working. It works better. It's more productive for them. Not to say that remote working will suit everyone, but there is a pushback from these employees of that eagerness to return to normal. Normal is now past tense, you know, and I think that really needs to be maintained. So then in that business transformation process, what would you say to, um, let's say, senior executives and managers? Where do they start in terms of enabling their workforce and enabling their employees to actually think differently and to undertake this process? Well, it's a really good, it's a really good question. And I did a piece of research last year on the state of digital mm. transformation across three continents. Yeah. And the, the picture was not great. And in fact, some of the most alarming data that came out of it was the unreadiness mm. of leadership yeah. in mindset, but also in terms of capabilities, yeah. because it's a brand new transformation. Yeah. So what came out of that research was, uh, and I did it with another partner, and we realized mm. that actually there's very few models in the world that actually help organizations through so-called transformation and yeah. at that point digital transformation yeah. mainly because it was focused on a very narrow aspect mm -hmm. so when we started considering this whole business transformation yeah we realized that were, there were three distinct phases of transformation and we built what's called a ticking clock we called it, um, it. actually I've based on the brilliant. doomsday clock we say it's two brilliant. minutes to midnight before yeah. you fail before yeah. your transformation the three components though are about uh, future thinking so yeah. that's about envisioning uh, what it is. So it's not a digital strategy, which is what many organizations mm. are moving into. It is a strategy for a digital world yes, because it's not absolutely. just about digital. Yeah. Then within that component, component, it's in the leadership mindset. Mm. So the, the mindset about, you know, what, what does that mean? Am I ready? What help do we need at leadership level? And then how do we move to execution? Yeah. Because the execution phase, according mm. to IBM and Forbes that have done a lot of research on this, mm. can fail over 80% of the times. Yeah. Eight out of 10 yeah. uh, transformations are failing. Yeah. So if you scary. get that right, first of all, you come into this middle component, which is mm centricity which is thinking about the culture your people mm. and your customers yeah. and then moving around into being more future ready which is around the predictive mm. analytics that allows you to prescribe your future Absolutely. so we talk about this as a journey not one element yeah. but it has to start with a vision for a digital world and getting the leadership mindset right yeah, I totally agree. And I've seen your model and that's that's brilliant. I would recommend it for any business um, in terms of that, that readiness as well. You often have this pushback against the I get, I, disrupting the traditional, I guess we can call it. There are some that still cling, cling to that traditional model, I guess, because it presents that comfort and safety of of what you've always known. But within the current context, it's not going to work. But you, you make a really important point there as well in that a lot of companies are putting the digital first 
And it's not really about the digital, it's the digital is a means to an end, is to facilitate the end goal. And where we get caught up in the, the tools and the, um, let's say, how to use Teams, how to use Slack, we forget the overall business vision, what these things are actually supposed to be driving. So I think that's particularly important. Can you give us an example from your experience um, of a company that has done really well in terms of their digital transformation journey, or business transformation, I should say? Yeah, there's, there's a couple, actually. There's one, one I'll come to in, in a little bit, which is around culture, but around specifically what you're talking about there, it, the companies that are succeeding know the difference between thinking digital transformation is about a piece of technology yeah. versus it's much bigger than that. Absolutely, yeah. And as far as, far back um, as 2012, Domino's Pizzas were really, were mm. really evolving. This is a yeah. rather traditional That's a really company. Good example. Yeah. They responded very early and successfully by looking at the whole technology architecture. And what they realized is, is that they had, as you rightly said there, they had so many individual tools and systems which worked independently for the function here, uh, the finance function there, or marketing, mm. or whatever it was here, and they weren't talking together, they weren't connected. Yeah. They had to use API technologies to make data kind of come together, but there was no ecosystem. So therefore, yeah. in 2012, their enlightened leadership mm. digitally redesigned and rebuilt its products, operations, culture, technology. And in yeah. fact, the first pizza chain to debut online pizza tracking yeah. and voice ordering app, you know, they were really ahead of the game. I mean, this is 2012. Mm. Um, and it enabled ordering from multiple platforms, very much aligned from a customer-centric point of view. So yeah. the whole point about their technology architecture and their transformation was thinking about how do we make the lives of our customers easier and our employers easier. It wasn't mm -hmm. about the technology that makes the difference. It's about what is the need and what fits in. Yes. And, you know, it, it, it's stock price at the time. You know, remember, before mm -hmm. pre-2012, Mm -hmm. um, Domino's was actually close to chapter 11. Yes, they were. And they had to really turn it round. If yeah. you'd have bought $100 worth of stock, you know, in, in Domino's, in, in, you know, at, at the same time as you might have bought Google, um, Domino's would have given you more return, yeah. uh, interestingly enough, based on yeah. what they're doing. So that's a really good example of transcending transformation mm -hmm. by just considering technology, yeah. by looking at actually how does our whole business evolve um, an ecosystem that supports what we do internally and with our customers. Yeah, it's, it's really a big picture view. And I can think of another company as well, um, DBS, in the a Singaporean company, but based all over Asia, where um, their focus was in their banking transaction. They thought to themselves, you know what, or how they explained it. They said, no one wakes up thinking, well, let's go let's go to the bank that's my thing to do today we go to the bank for the resources that we need and we need those resources so we can live our lives so when they started thinking about the end goal their mission became to make their presence in your life as minimal as possible so that banking is no longer an inconvenience it's no longer an errand but it's something you hardly think about that gets you to your other goal and in that vision they were able to create a very digital operation, a digital bank that really enhances the customer experience. So you're very much right with that big picture view. Oh yeah, and, and in fact DBS is a great example because mm -hmm. their whole 
their whole philosophy was making banking invisible and yes, joyful. Absolutely. And that drove their whole business um, transformation. Uh, but it but it was exactly as I described it before. It was actually driven by an enlightened leader, their CEO, yes. Piyush Gupta, yeah. who held his, held his hand up and said, we and I, as a leadership team, we do not know digital. Yeah. We need to know it. We need to understand what our customers need. And in fact, as they went through the process, they, they went through really tough hackathons at senior management level. Yeah. They really experienced this. And what they realized as they went through the transformation, it started to create new opportunities for products yeah. and services they hadn't even thought of yet because they didn't yeah. have the platforms to do it. Yeah. So it's actually changed everything internally in terms of an attitude, yeah. A, yeah. at leadership level, but also employee level, yeah. around how digital can create an even closer human to human contact, which is a really important yeah. point for the digital era. Absolutely. It's a real sort of agile and design thinking mindset that's really going to bring that innovation and that different thinking around. Um, now that you mentioned in terms of making the bank invisible, it kind of reminds me also when we go back to remote working of that invisible workforce. And I know a lot of companies particularly are struggling with the concept of well, how do we manage that invisible workforce? We can no longer see our employees. How do we make sure that they're doing what we're doing? And particularly when you add your independent workers into the mix, it becomes more complicated. You might be working with a person thousands of miles away that is not a part of your company, that you have no physical contact with, but that might have access to your company information and might, and might need to work with your colleagues as well. So. In that vein, what do you suggest for companies? What, what, where does digital transformation come in in that process, our business transformation? And what is the role of, let's say, HR, senior managers, in really engaging that invisible workforce? Well, it's quite interesting, this, because the the we did a piece of research didn't we at the, yeah. the beginning of this year called the the the, the blended Blended, workforce yeah. revolution whereby we tried to show to organizations mm -hmm. that something that many had informally in their mind i yeah. use managed services use of independent resource to do project work yeah was actually a major trend in fact the biggest human capital trend in a generation Absolutely. So it's our workforce, which again is being accelerated by the pandemic, like many of these transformations mm. are being um, accelerated. So yeah. what we're seeing is as, as some organizations are already downsizing, yeah. you're, you're getting more, um, more people coming into independent work because they're using it as an opportunity to set up themselves, Absolutely. but also making that decision independently because they can see how their expe expertise can be very valuable for organizations and perhaps yeah. even at their level those organizations might not be able to afford them as a permanent resource anymore yeah. and in fact it's no accident that we found in our research Rochelle yeah. that in the last two years the biggest population moving towards independent workers were Generation X yeah uh, often seen as very capable mm. generation the glue between the boomers and the millennials yeah and the leaders in waiting in many organizations yeah but many of them have have actually voted with their feet saying we're not taking over this mess thank you very yes. much but you can <laughs> yeah. hire us a consultant to come in and do it absolutely uh, yeah he said having done this himself um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so um so you you've got that happening so therefore yeah. there is a real call and a need mm 
for a brand new human capital manifesto that you and I call Gig HR, which is a framework that looks at the workforce no matter whether they're permanent, part-time or independent, Mm. and starts to think about how do we need to work differently with our workforce and get value out of our workforce and add value to our workforce, whoever they are, wherever they are, because they may be also increasingly dispersed. Some may be more digitally orientated than others so there's lots of different things in place and we have to get new rules of the road Uh, we've got the to get the technology ecosystems that glue all that together Mm. you've got to get the upskilling going on that how do we do this potentially in a more um, collaborative uh, dispersed Mm. way Mm -hmm. but how do we keep everybody motivated engaged and and recognized for great work within this environment because it's certainly not happening at the moment yeah, absolutely. You have you have pockets of excellence um, where you see companies providing one or two best practice examples. But in terms of the mainstream, it's really there. There's still a long way to go. A lot of companies are still managing with that, as you like to put it, the 20th century thinking rather than that 21st century thinking. So a lot of our HR models and management systems we know would have been designed for a more stable environment where you're used to a nine to five full time employee. But now where companies are grappling with. Well, how do you manage a person thousands of miles away who might have, let's say, different um, tax regulations in their region and so forth? How do we actually engage that process? So it definitely is a real challenge for businesses now. And we would. Well, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, sorry. I was going to say, because, yeah. you know, I, actually, I was going to I was going to talk about you then, because, uh, because <laughs> I, I see you here. as a real expert in this area. You know, at Thank country you. level, it's not just organizations. It's, mm. as you say, it's, it's country level. How do economies not just attract companies, but how do they attract digital workers now? Mm. How do they get the infrastructures yeah. in place? Yeah. Um, how do they get the financial conditions right so it's attractive and rewarding yeah. these people so they can actually do the work and add value? And I think you're doing some great work in mm. there at, uh, oh, at government level and certainly mm. things that I'm learning from mm. when you're talking to me around this. Mm. I think when you put together what's needed mm. at that level, plus yeah. organization level, see there's actually a lot of commonality there and yeah. and yeah. There, there's a lot of sharing that can happen. So yeah. as organizations move into this, they must work with the authorities within the countries that they are to lobby around having the right conditions Absolutely. and the new rules and regulations around um, employee law, let's for example, employment law, yeah. HR law to cope yeah. with a um, potentially international uh, dispersed non-permanent as well as permanent workforce yeah you're you're absolutely right this is a this is a real problem and and i know since the pandemic we've gotten a lot of calls with regards to okay what do we do now within this context especially where you're managing more geographically dispersed and you have to think about tax laws and so forth and i mean we we released that paper in february 2020 we could never have predicted what would have happened three weeks later to really accelerate this process. So it's, it's very much an interesting sort of scenario. And I know a lot of companies are now also thinking about what support they can pull in this area. So I think you touch on a good point where you mentioned what local support or what should be happening at the local level in order to facilitate this. Because I do think governments have a role to play in terms of having the right conditions and regulations there. But also there needs to be a partnership between the two in terms of companies need to be speaking to institutions in the country. They also need to be speaking to their internal and external stakeholders as well. So what would you recommend in terms of a company who's trying to embrace this digital culture? 
what in what way can let's say institutions within their environments whether it's governmental or otherwise support that well it goes back to mindset actually yeah. uh, and that's a ministerial level it's at institutional level it's at organizational level mm -hmm. those people in charge need to have the understanding of this brave new world that we've already entered yeah. but some are still hesitant to cross over into even now absolutely and and i include boards like ex executive boards on this and particularly non-executive directors in fact mm -hmm because many non-executive directors role is to drive advice and governance based on how the organization is going to move forward but if they're not knowledgeable mm. about the impact of digital transformation whole business transformation uh the 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 way that the workforce is evolving as we've talked about here and the implications mm. of that on mm. governance on law on how we can do it because mm. essentially now an organization that might have been very local and hiring within a 30 kilometer radius can now hire globally yeah, anywhere and yeah. suddenly it's changed so it is a real mindset shift and that mindset yeah. shift me leads to an acknowledgement of capability gaps and yeah. if there's an, an a skills gap then leadership um government ministers need to unlearn mm -hmm. how we used to do things in the 20th century absolutely and relearn what yeah. a 21st century outlook looks like yeah that's where it's got to start yeah so it's really a mixture of not just upskilling but reskilling as well what do you now transform or change what you used to do to do it in a way that is more applicable to the environment what would you say to countries? Because, you know, in the news, you would have seen a lot of countries now because of COVID, the tourism has really suffered. So now they're trying different things and they're trying to provide a more accommodating infrastructure um, and certain welcome stamps and so forth in order to attract remote workers like yourself. And, you know, of course, I'm from Barbados and Barbados has just issued um, a welcome stamp for one year, a welcome visa stamp, which allows people to work there. Um, internationally work sorry in remote workers to work for a year so what would you say to countries that are now trying to let's say attract remote workers what should they be really looking at what do you really look for in that sense well first of all i need to book my ticket clearly please to, uh, do <laughs> <to Barbados. laughs> you will love it yeah, you will. i'm biased it, but you will yeah and i think you know that's it that's a, it's a good model and, and they're also mm -hmm. learning from what's happening uh, yeah. around the world so there's countries like Sri Lanka are doing the same yes, exactly. Singapore had done that you know many 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 years ago yeah Eastern Eastern Europe the the Balkans yes you know, Slovenia is a really great model of this yeah whereby they've a not only had a thriving tourist industry but they realized that they've got something here which could be very beneficial for their economy on top of the tourism that they had yeah to build on it and so I think it's a very good model for countries who are looking who are looking for it where they where they might have been a tourist destination but are now looking to be a business destination yeah um, either for individuals or for, or for companies mm -hmm. so they put at governmental level a lot in place in terms of learning so yeah. they could learn what needs to do they they went and did a lot of visits around the world to economies that had uh, already done this mm -hmm. they set up the tax infrastructure the corporate corporation tax for example yeah. and incentives to base companies there and use Slovenian resource and upskill in sort of technology, for example, to make it a real hub, yeah. not just for, for business, but for capability. Absolutely. Um, and that's really important. So as well as 
as well as attracting mm -hmm. digital nomads and companies who are more nomadic, yeah. is also investing in the local population to give them the skills to be that skilled totally. workforce totally. that these uh, companies can out outsource to. Yeah. No, I totally agree with that. Thank you so much. Um, I think um, Barbados is very lucky in this sense where we there's um, the education is um, a very high level. So that also makes it very attractive. You have a highly skilled working population there, which is great for collaboration. When remote workers are coming in, you can get that exchange of knowledge. So that in itself is like you said, that can also be an attraction. So thank you so much. That was amazing. And I really like the how you contextualized it, the examples that you provided, your your experience. And you say you admire my work. I mean, you are my role model in this area. I mean, we've done work together and I've, I've seen your brilliance. So thank you so much for sharing, <laughs> for sharing all of this with us. Um, so final question for you. You've provided uh, a good taste or a good session, a really informative session on um, embracing a digital culture. You've given advice to governments. You've, um, you've provided advice for businesses in terms of changing that mindset from digital transformation really to looking at business transformation. Now, we want to get, before we end our series off, we want to know a bit about your experience. You're a remote worker extraordinaire. So we like to, we're going to be finishing each episode with each guest their funniest travel story so what can you tell us what was your funniest travel story what happened to you in all of this experience that you've had well let me just tell you it's funny now <laughs> that's <laughs> but, how it always works <laughs> but the but the end of the story yeah. is me is me at, at detroit airport being marched back onto a plane i just had just come off on by two armed guards and being sent back to the UK. Oh my gosh. Uh, yeah. I feel like I need Don't to hear the beginning. <laughs> we have enough time. This we have enough time. I need to hear the beginning of this story. Really? Well, it was, uh, well, it was way back in 2004 and it was when, and it was George W. Bush, I believe at the time. So <laughs> Homeland Security yeah. had been given a lot of power. You know, it was, it was post 9-11, of course, you know, it's still mm. quite fresh in the memory. And it was quite difficult, you know, to get through customs in the US. I mean, it's, it's kind of like it is now again, actually, mm, to get yeah. through customs. So I went through, I, I got to Detroit, got through immigration okay, and then picked up my bags and I got to customs and there was um, a border guard. Now, you, you know me and you know I'm not the tallest person in the world, right? <laughs> no comment. <Okay? laughs> yes. It's not funny. Yeah. <laughs> 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 uh, but this guy was below me here and looked like yeah. the actor Rod Steiger. Look him up on, um, on, oh, um, on Google. Yeah. And anyway, um, he said, what's your, you know, give me, give me, your, uh, give me your passport. And then it's like, uh oh, here we go. So my passport <laughs> had stamps from Saudi Arabia, um, yeah. the, the Emirates, China at the yeah. time as well, you know, yeah. and so on, because I've been there. And, and then lots of questions about why, why have I gone here and, and what have you. And what are you doing here? I said, oh, I'm just, you know, it's some training uh, yeah. I'm doing uh, for coming here. So, oh, so you're here to take jobs off Americans. Oh, my like, gosh. Wow. And, uh, and then, uh-oh, you know, you know when your stomach drops, it's like, yeah. uh-oh. So then, to cut the long story short, I was marched off to the detention block, had a two-and-a-half-hour two, hour, two and a half hour interview and told in no uncertain terms I was, I was not welcome in this country, I was going to be sent back. Uh, you're not giving valid reasons why you're in this other countries as well. We don't believe you. We're sending you home. Whoa! And uh, and and 
four hours later, I was marched onto the same plane back. And, and they, they had stopped all of the other passengers going on. And here's me with two armed guards. And to me, at the time, they looked like they were both seven foot and tall giants. with, you know, automatic <laughs> weapons marching me onto the plane as if, you know, it's me, Rochelle, right? <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and then, uh, it, it, you know, the, one of the funny moments that I can remember now, now I can look back at it, it funny, is the, is the person who then, as they started boarding the rest of the plane, the person who then came down and suddenly realised that they were sitting next to me and the look on their faces, they went kind of white as a sheet like a ghost. Oh, my God. <laughs> and, it, and, and I said something like, oh, don't worry, I haven't done anything wrong. You know, it, <laughs> you, you know when you protest too much yeah. and kind of made them feel worse. But anyway, it took me, it took me about a year to fight this and Whoa. then to realize that i was one of among thousands of british business people that had been sent back and they were and, and i was told at the end well actually you know we we, we have quashed this it was yeah. wrong you, they were in the wrong however because you've now been refused you now forever will need a visa to come to the u.s so i ever since i've needed a visa and you know what they the, the postscript to the story is is that every time i go now the question is why do you need a visa? Oh, back in 2004, <laughs> I was down in the detention. Oh, tell me more. Come with oh us, please. And, and so I have to, have to go through that. And I forget, I forget it all. And it's like, oh, no, that didn't happen. And, that, and then you're going through the whole nightmare oh again. So, that is <laughs> so, insane. Yeah. Oh, geez. So there, there you go. That's, there you go. I like to call those stories for the grandkids. <laughs> They're that good. That's, that's brilliant. That, that's right. Yeah. Yes. I know. I, think <laughs> I, that, I can that imagine. May, I would have been terrified at the time. I, Oh, at the time I was, it was yeah. just like, what the heck's going to happen here? Because there were people <laughs> being interviewed like me yeah. and being taken away because they were protesting. In fact, oh, my word. to this point, I was saying, hang on a minute, you know, just like this, hang on a minute. I've, I've been doing this. Look, I, I was here just a few weeks ago doing the same thing for the same company. Yeah. And, and I started raising my voice a little bit. And oh, literally dear. the guy stood back and his hand went down like this said, you need to calm down, sir. Whoa. Like, Whoa. Oh my it's like, word. come on, really? Well, really? anyone who knows you knows that you're not a threat at all. And that is one of those double-sided Thank you compliments. very much, I think. Yes. <laughs> that's, like a, that's like a thanks, I think. <laughs> But anyhow, thank you so much, Jeremy. It was lovely to have you. Lovely for, sh for you for sharing your stories with us and for sharing your expertise. And I hope that as remote working becomes the, the new normal, I'm against that word, the new normal, but I'm going to use it here, um, that a lot of those issues um, become less and less. I, I really hope that people don't have, um, th that those issues aren't as prevalent. Um, safety is important, but less hope <laughs> it's being enforced correctly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. So thank you again for joining us. Thank you for sharing. And thank you to our audience for listening to us and for joining us for our first session of Remotely Speaking. Join us for our other upcoming session, which we'll talk more about how companies and how countries embrace a digital culture. But we'll look at, in particularly, our focus will be on remote leadership and what that looks like across different regions. So thank you so much again for joining us, everyone. Thank you for listening. And this is Remotely Speaking. Thank you, Jeremy. Take care. I hope you enjoyed our podcast series. To find out more, follow us at Remotely Speaking Up on Instagram or go to www.crowdpotential.co.uk for our services. Until next time.